Hi there. Welcome to the Beam Podcast. My name is Matt Edelman. I'm the President and Chief Commercial Officer of Super League. I had a great conversation today with Zach Hahn, our Senior Vice President of Partnerships, and we really leaned into the opportunity for brands and IP owners to figure out how to be successful in the immersive web. And it all starts with our wonderful Beam process at Super League, where you have to first figure out as a brand, what you want to build in this space. Then you get to E, you have to think about what it takes to engage an audience and to keep them coming back. But no one will come back if you don't amplify your presence, the A in Beam. And finally, you don't know if you've been successful without the M, without measurement. And Zach and I touched on all of those as well as some great ideas and suggestions and guiding principles for what it takes to win across immersive platforms. I am excited to welcome Zach Hahn to the Beam podcast today. Zach has been with us for a couple of years now, I think, Zach. Is that right? Going on two. Going on two years. Been a terrific partner to me, and I know also a trusted partner for so many of the brands and intellectual property owners we work with. But at the beginning of Zach's time here, I did not have enough of an appreciation for his fine fashion sense and style. And there is definitely uh, a particular accessory that I think, Zach, you have to admit is your favorite. And, and it's got to be the watch. Is that right? It, it probably is. Yeah. But I also like my hat and I've been known for my pocket square. So it, it goes around. It just depends on who you ask. You talk about fashion. Today, it's so hot in San Francisco that I feel like I'm stuck in this booth and I'm sweating. So fashion is out of the question today. It's it's gone. So the watch is about the only thing I can wear at this point. No hat in the heat box today. I get it. Well, look, I am about as unaccustomed to thinking about my fashion sense as you possibly could be. So thankfully, my wife occasionally is able to steer me in the right direction. She tries all the time. I don't necessarily always respond, but watches haven't made it into my repertoire yet. I think the last time I wore a watch- Don't start. Don't start? Don't start. It's just a lot of wasted money. <laughs> Once you start, you don't stop. Yeah. Well, look, I really thought we could have a, a fun conversation today about what is happening in the space where we operate, the immersive web, and considering what is important about this space and why brands and intellectual property owners are entering it and at an ever increasing pace. You've got sports leagues like Major League Baseball building environments in Unreal Engine as part of an all-star game digital experience for global fans. You've got fashion companies who are creating persistent worlds on Roblox and Fortnite. You have beauty companies that are working with UGC creators to launch collections of avatar items in environments, particularly Roblox, with perhaps the most robust avatar item economy. So just generally speaking, Zach, you came into this space really having been in entertainment and a more traditional type of the gaming industry in esports. Why did this space become interesting to you? What was it that attracted you and made you feel like you could build a business once here? Yeah, it's a great question. I'll, I'll take that from two angles. I'm going to talk about it really quickly from a personal standpoint, and then I will talk about it why I'm excited about it from a brand standpoint. Personally, 
I've always liked being on the cutting edge. It allows me to learn and stay satiated in growing and becoming a better employee, a better helper to my partners every single day. And this allows me to learn, but also to educate. And I feel like that's something I've loved in my career. And I wanted to continue to be more of an educator and a consultant than I have a quote unquote salesperson or a seller to our partners. So that's why personally, it really excited me. From a brand perspective, it is just the next evolution. And as I will use this word once and I will never use it again, I promise today, but fidgetal. In this world where (laughs) the digital and the physical are starting to come together, it is the next evolution of where marketers need to understand where they have to be, where their audience is, how to reach them. And it's not that different from what they're doing in real life. They just have to figure out how to connect those two, mostly in their mind and with their budgets. And I say that because a lot of times in marketing, money moves because it's budgeted. And I was in the early days of CTV and I would go to a partner and say, well, where does this fit? Does it fit with digital video or does it fit with TV? And all of these partners would go, I don't know. So I can't buy you because you don't fit in a bucket for me. And so I think they all understand it. They all want to be a part of it. It's now a question of making it a part of their marketing mix. And that excites me because I want to help them figure out how to come in the space, how to break in, how to engage this audience, surprise and delight. And I will use that a couple of times when we're talking today, because I think that's what it's about right now, is that moment of surprise and delight a brand can bring to these digital physical spaces. Fidgetal is a great word. I used it for the first time a few years back, and I happened to be on a stage in front of college students, and they definitely looked at me like I said something offensive. And I think the reason is because there's no distinction. There's no distinction for Gen Z and Gen A between the physical and the digital. It is a single life. It is not a physical life and a digital life. When they are together in person at a party or a bar or at school, sometimes they're texting each other to communicate even while standing next to each other. Or the topic of conversation becomes an Instagram post that somebody noticed while they weren't listening to whatever their friend was saying. And when they are home and otherwise could be together doing something, they're playing video games from each other's houses, perhaps just living down the street. And so it's just one life and it makes a big difference in terms of how they think about connecting with brands and welcoming brands into their world. If you are a CMO in sort of the sports industry today, I imagine you would say, it isn't easy to figure out how to keep your sports brand vibrant and attractive to this younger demographic. So what do these spaces represent as an opportunity? And what are some of the examples you think have really struck a chord with younger consumers in these platforms? You talked a little bit about my past and my history. And before Super League, I did a little stint in esports. And before that, I was in more traditional gaming at Sony. But In my stint at esports, I started to understand that a lot of brands were trying to use esports as a way to connect what is happening on the field to a younger audience. They were using the digital versions of Madden for NFL or for MLB The Show for baseball to connect to this audience. But I think what they found was that that reached that kind of mid-tier Gen Z, maybe a little bit younger millennial audience, but it really wasn't getting to the core of Gen Z and Gen A. And a lot of them are just not into sports. They're not introduced to sports. They're not being a part of it. And so I think worlds like Minecraft and Roblox and even Fortnite, allowing these sports brands to introduce themselves to this audience 
is important. But what's interesting is it can't be the same product that it is on the field. And I think that's the differentiation between what was happening in my last job in working with sports teams on the field like product that they were working with that was a very simulation style game to what needs to happen in Roblox. It is about representing yourself. Maybe it is just about wearing your favorite team's jersey while you're running around playing other experiences. But I don't think anybody has really nailed the sports application into Roblox yet. I'm excited about that because that's such an opportunity. And is it a second screen experience? Is it an extension of what is happening on the field, but in a very different way? And how do we make that happen? But how do we do it in a way that doesn't mean that a player has to go to them Maybe they're coming to a player. And I think that's the unlock that I'm trying to figure out with some of my partners right now. And it excites me because sports is so big. It's so global. And you talk about things like the FIFA World Cup or the Olympics that are really global sports. There's such an opportunity to connect people that are down the street or across the world with something like a Roblox or a Minecraft. We just have to unlock those little things that get that young audience to go, Oh, this is cool. I connect with this, even though it is a sport. So that's where I think there's such an opportunity in that mix of what we've known our whole life is some of the biggest media companies or entertainment companies with sports and the teams trying to connect with this younger audience. And so that's that's one of my favorite challenges that I'm working on right now. And I'm really excited with one of the things that hopefully we'll be able to tell you about in the future that I think will allow us to really do some fun, cool things that have never been done before on the platform. You know, we have some good friends of ours in the space over at Gang Sweden, and they built an experience for Wimbledon. And by all accounts, it was successful for Wimbledon. It was a good engagement experience for the player, but it didn't maintain a particularly high usage level after the real world event. Is that what sports is destined to look like, where there's a moment or a handful of moments during the course of a season? Or do you think there's something more enduring that just to your point hasn't been unlocked yet? There's got to be something more enduring, something that is longer lasting. And that's the beauty of it. I'm a golfer. I think about parts of the world that are golf courses that are open for maybe four, five, six months of the year because they can't stay open year-round because of weather or something else. The idea behind these platforms is you can connect with this audience every day, 24-7, 365. But how do you do that? Especially when your product, your IP is so event-based in such a moment in time. You think about, you know, Wimbledon or the Masters or some of these things that are huge events, but they happen over a week. They build up, they create this great excitement, buzz, and then they go away and they come back next year. So you have to think about things in such a different way. And it really is about what are those special things that you really want to connect back to the players, even when it doesn't have anything to do with what's actually happening on, say, the course of the field. The Masters is a great example. How do you use something like their iconic flag or their merchandise that you can only get in Augusta that one week of the year or their green jacket? Like those are pieces of IP that I think you can play with in a different way that have nothing really to do with golf. They have to do with Augusta. So how do you start to build that momentum with that? And that's where, again, you just have to think about your sport as not being just a sport, but what is the IP you can pull from it to start to build something that is 
more endearing to this audience that may not care about what's actually happening on the field. Interesting. You know, it makes me think of the fact that in these immersive environments, you can often create a mix of technology solutions and bring them to life, but all in a 3D space. One of the interesting combinations that's just starting to emerge is AI with characters who appear in an immersive environment, whether that's Roblox or Fortnite or a proprietary space that's that's built by a brand as an extension of its own website. And the sports opportunity strikes me a little bit there where if you had an AI character who was an encyclopedia of knowledge about a particular sport or league or team or a period in history for a sport, and you could create the right type of engagement or experiential activity between fans of that sport or potential fans of that sport with an AI character, maybe there's there's a kernel of activity there that we haven't seen before. But that does get into some maybe uncomfortable spaces, right? What if the AI character needs to remember you so that it can speak to you intelligently since the last time you walked up to it? How do you think that sports brands or other brands are going to start to feel about these intersections of technology and particularly how AI can affect an immersive experience for a player or a user? I think the dichotomy there comes between what this audience is used to and doesn't have a second thought about versus what we as brands and traditional brand marketers need to do to hold on to what we control. As somebody that works with a lot of different brands, every piece of every campaign that we work on is approved. Oh, that verbiage is good. Change this word, fix that. But they have the control. And letting that control go to something that is technology, I think is scary. But the difference is, I think this generation, and I say I think because this is all from learning and study, but I can't tell you from my personal experience because I'm not in that generation. But they're used to these things. They're used to a digital figure knowing who you are so that when you come back to them, it's not a weird thing to them. My age group would probably go, wait, how do you know me? This is weird. Are you tracking me? How are you getting my information? What data do you have? I don't think that this younger generation looks at it the same way. They think of digital as truly that extension of physical. And this is the digital version of yourself. So if you've been there before, it should know you. It's almost that opposite thinking. So I do think it's going to take the brand starting to let go and be more comfortable with adopting technology in the way that this audience is open to. And that's going to take a lot of letting go. And I don't know if a lot of brands are going to be willing to do it in the early days. I had another one of our colleagues on the pod, Nina, who has worked in her past with a number of on-camera personalities who are content creators. And we've seen in that space the proliferation of brand partnerships where brands have let go, where they've basically said, we know that the creator is going to have to be permitted to talk about my brand in their own voice. And we can give the creator some parameters and some messaging that has to be included in whatever they say. But ultimately, if we don't let the creator do what they want, it's either going to be something the creator refuses to do, or it's going to be something that their audience recognizes as inauthentic, and it will actually be a turn off as opposed to a turn on. I wonder if we're headed in the same direction here, where it's a little bit different because a brand has to approve every asset in the way that they're thinking now. But 
will brands start to say to creators in this space, you know what, you really do know this audience better than we do. You know what attracts them. You know what keeps them energized. You know why they'll return to your experience over and over again. So here's our IP. Here are our product attributes. Go for it. Are we headed there, do you think? I'm going to tangent for a second, but I'll come back. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, and the cycles of the world that we have known for so long are changing. A great example is you think about the seven years of financial ups versus seven years of financial downs, and we go back up and we go back down. I was saying to somebody the other day that we probably have had more change in the last five years than the 50 years before it because of the speed of technology and how fast things are changing. And now we may have ups in one industry while downs in another. And you look at stuff that's happening in LA with the writer strike and the actor strike, that's going to mean something different for that industry than it will mean for the gaming industry, than it will mean for the marketing industry, the CPG. You know, it's like everything is going to kind of have different and new cycles. And that speed of technology, I mean, you know this, we had a product that within a year, it went from nothing to our most popular product to completely sunset in less than a year, the full product cycle. So I think things are happening so fast that, yes, we're going to take these learnings and brands are going to start to go, wait a second, I've done this before. I know this. Now, it wasn't technology. I still had a one-to-one connection with that person so I could talk to them about the brand and get comfortable with them. But it is that same kind of idea of like, okay, I've done this. This is a little different. I have to take a different step. But they'll start to understand it. And I think the technology will become better and they'll become more comfortable with it where they'll be willing to think of it almost like a person where they go, okay, I feel like I've given this AI enough information about us. I feel comfortable with what it's going to do. Let's let it free. Let's let it go talk. And that to me is exciting. It's scary, but it's exciting. If you were talking to people who run these platforms and who build these tools and make different functionality available for the creative class that is able to build essentially anything their imagination can conjure. Presuming that the platform owners and operators understand the impact that brands can have on their growth. Clearly, Roblox understands that. They've invested considerable resources in partnering with brands and working with companies, frankly, like Super League to help bring those partnerships to life in an exciting way. But what would you tell the platforms that brands need, that CMOs require in order to put this category in their media mix and to make it a permanent fixture, whether it sits in a digital bucket or a Web3 bucket or just an overall bucket and it's got a percentage allocation on a regular basis. The good news is I don't have to say anything. Brands are starting to do it themselves. They are recognizing that if they need to or want to reach that younger audience and get their brand known, they have to be here. So Zach, when you think about what to tell brands that they need to do in order to be successful on these platforms or to decide that it's an important part of their media mix, what advice would you give them? I was quoted in a study the other day with YouGov because we're doing work at Super League with Nielsen and YouGov to try to help brands measure apples to apples what they're doing in worlds like Roblox with television and CTV and maybe what they're running on some website because it really is about what are our goals here? How do we measure? What's our long-term vision? So 
it's not as much about asking people, hey, do you need to go reach this young audience? Or have you thought about Roblox or Minecraft or Fortnite or even Zepetto or Rec Room? They're all coming to us saying, we're thinking about it. We just don't know how to operate in it. And I think that's the biggest change that they're having to go through is peeling away money from something else that may or may not be working to try to figure out how to enter this space, what they are trying to goal themselves with, and then how to measure and say, was that successful or was it not? So, Zach, if you had a chance to talk to the owners of these platforms, the people who run Roblox and the people at Epic overseeing Fortnite Creative, and certainly these emerging platforms that you've mentioned and we've talked about, like Rec Room and Zepetto, if you had to go to them and you said, look, you know that brands are going to be impactful relative to your opportunity for growth because there's a lot of money that is available from brands and there's a lot of promotional might that can help your platform if you tap into what a brand can bring to the table. What do the platform owners need to be doing to attract brands and to make brands feel not only like they're welcome, but like they can achieve business goals inside these platforms? Help them with measurability is the first and foremost. As long as they're providing them with a safe place and Roblox is in the news a lot about trying to up what they're doing so that brands can do things in a safe way. It really is helping them with measurement, but I've talked enough about that. So let me go on to kind of some other things. I think it's about embracing the brands being there. And Roblox has probably done a better job of this than anybody in just helping brands do new things, create new content, think of the platform a different way and lean in on helping them create great experiences. And I'll go back to a word I said before, surprise and delight. Why are these brands really here for a player? They're there to surprise and delight them. Give them things that they go, this is really cool. I get something out of this because the brand wants to interact with me. And I think for so long, advertising has been thought of as a bad thing. And I don't think that this audience really does think of it that way. So if the platforms can really help connect the brand to the audience in a way that the audience wants them to be there, everybody wins. It drives more traffic to the platform for the platform. It creates a stickier environment for both the brand and the player. And it creates that engagement that brand's looking for. So I do think there's an all boats rise scenario where if a platform really leans in, the brands start leaning in, and some of these small little things are tweaked, everybody can make something out of this and everybody can be happy at the end of the day. You mentioned at the start of the conversation how much you like educating and Clearly, that's been a way for you to bring success to the places where you've worked and, and Super League is no exception. As we kind of wrap up our conversation and you think about the importance of education, do you think that it is the job of companies like ours and there are no fewer than a dozen plus who are trying every day to encourage growth on these platforms and more commitments from brands and IP owners to leverage the audiences that are available. Is it our job to really be the educators or can we rely upon the platforms to do that? Are, are, are we the real evangelists? Is that our role? The really good question. And I think the answer is it's nobody's. Realistically, these platforms are new within the last five to seven years. And when you talk about brands really consistently being a part of them, probably talking about maybe three or four years worth of data that has changed at such a breakneck speed. 
So the platform should help educate. We should be helping educate. But really, education is about what are we seeing? What trends are happening? What things have worked in the past? What do we think is going to work in the future? But that education is really right now about, hey, we're looking at the data and we're saying in real time, this is working and this isn't. But you have to make a decision. And I think things are changing so quickly that you probably can't do the exact same thing somebody right before you did. I do think the early adopters on these platforms probably got away with so much less, meaning they gave less content, less excitement, less surprise and delight, and it worked better than if somebody did the exact same thing bumped up a hundred times today because they were first movers. So now things are changing and people have to do things slightly differently. The example I give is concerts. The Travis Scott concert on Fortnite, you talk about Lil Nas X concert that started at the, the start of COVID. Those are big moments that now if you run a concert, you'll never be able to get those same numbers. Why? Because those people were early, there was surprise and delight. Now it's a dime a dozen. So how do you make a concert better? How do you make it stickier? How do you make somebody want to come and give you their time to listen to the same song that they could listen to somewhere else? It is a social medium. So how do you make it social? How do you want to bring friends together? Those are the things you really have to think about. And just like the early days of social media, it changes so quick. You have to be able and willing to try something new, something different, something maybe a little scary for brands that are very risk adverse and have been for the last 20 years. There's probably a little risk in here. AI is a great example. So the answer is yes, we have to educate, but we're not really the know-all end-all, nor is the platform because it is really the players that decide. So do what's right by your brand, but take some risks, play around, have some fun. Let's do something different. I like that as a guiding principle. You know, it's certainly the way that we have tried to keep pushing the envelope and being pioneers in the space. I got to say the fact that the space is so collaborative, even though we have competitors, I think the collective ability across all of us to keep pushing the envelope and to keep brands focused on doing something new, having fun in this space and really leveraging it for not just audience reach, but true audience engagement and value add to the user base is, is really going to be how we grow the ecosystem. And it's exciting to be doing it in partnership with you as our head of partnerships. Thank you very much, Zach. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Beam Podcast. This is where we help people consider what it takes to be successful in the immersive web. Please remember to find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts, and we will be back with more terrific information to help you build businesses on the immersive web. Mm -hmm.